the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, we don't have the good news translation on our Bibles back there, so I told her not to put anything up, but I was going to read a scripture I found in the Good News Translation in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 29. I don't think I've ever quoted anything out of the Good News Translation, but it says something in a way I thought, man, that's, that's eye-opening. If you remember King Solomon, God gave him wisdom. He was reported to be the wisest king in all of the Bible. And he set about on this journey to find more wisdom and find out what the meaning of life was, you know, and And you can read about that in the book of Ecclesiastes. When he got to chapter 7, verse 29, he says, This is all that I have learned. God made us plain and simple. (laughs) Can anybody agree with that? God has made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves very complicated. Really, too complicated. We will reason things out to the point where we can't figure out if, if our head goes through this armhole or how did my leg get over here? I mean, the, the simplest things in life, we reason them. A lot of times it's because we don't want to accept the simple answer. Now, when my boy Joshua, he was four or five years old, I remember he asked more questions than anybody I've ever seen in my life. He was just like a machine gun with questions. Daddy, why is the sky blue? Why is my foot turning blue? Why, you know, just something. <laughs> Boy, you got your foot nice. Get out of there. Get out of the cooler. You know, I don't know. He's just asking questions all the time. Why is it like this? How'd it get like this? And you know, you're tempted to get frustrated. My goodness, I can't answer all these questions. But any of you wise parents know that that is the most important time in their life. When they're asking questions, you give them the answers because they won't always be asking questions, will they? My boy's a teenager now. He's 17 years old. I ain't remember the last time he asked me a question because he knows everything now. (laughs) Isn't that right? So you got to get them some answers while you got a chance to speak into their life. I'm telling you, some of you guys got young kids. You don't wait till they're teenagers to start. Well, I'll fix them when they get to be a teenager. No, they're already fixed by the time they get to be a teenager. You got to get them beforehand. And if they're asking, asking you questions, you answer them. But you know, people, we need to ask some questions sometimes. If you go back far enough, your answers are really simple. It comes down to right or wrong, Good or evil, love or dark or hate, light or dark. Everything God does is really kind of simple. And we try to complicate it, but all the answers really come back to God in some form or fashion. Every question that you've ever had leads back to God. 
You know, people are always trying to complicate things. They want to say, uh, you ask them, well, how did we get here? Oh, uh, well, we evolved from monkeys. They're complicating it. No, God made us. Okay, but you keep asking them. You keep pushing them back. Well, where'd the monkeys come from? Well, clearly they came from the pond scum that crawled out and, and became a monkey. Okay, well, where'd the pond scum come from? Well, it was all in this pre-mortal stew that had been brewing. Well, where'd the pre-mortal stew come from? Well, look, of course, it was the Big Bang. Where'd the Big Bang come from? Well, there was nothingness, and then there was this big explosion, and then everything popped into place. Well, where did the power for the big explosion come from? You just keep going back. And through all our silliness and through all our human reasoning, you will find that all the answers lie with God. All the truth that you've been searching for your whole life is really quite simple. We're the ones who complicate matters. Most of the time, how many times I told y'all, you can just put the hands out, like I used to do with my kids. All right, you keep acting like that, you're going to get a whooping. If you act right, I'll take you get some ice cream. You choose. That's as simple as life is. I could do it to, you know, when people come to me for counseling, I feel like giving them the hands. Okay, you keep doing that, you're going to go, you're going to, go to jail. But if you stop doing that, you, you and your wife will probably get along good or something, you know. Well, I'm just pretending that you. <laughs> if you keep doing that with your wife, you'll be sinning. No. <laughs> but, we make things difficult. But he, you're saying even the bad things in our life go back to God? Is God at fault for all the bad things that happen? No, if you go back far enough and investigate why the bad things happen, you'll eventually get to the point where you believed the lie and you left God's path. Right? Most counseling that I've ever done is simply tracing people's steps back to where they left God. Where they got, got off or where they got knocked off of God's plan. And you can take them back to that point. Do you see where this is where you, you got off of God's plan and you went in the wrong direction and this led to this and then there became complications. Tonight's message, we're going to call it the origins of true life. The origins of true life, if you want to write that down for some crazy reason. True life. Mm-hmm. But really, most of us, we, we just need our, our basic needs, our intellectual needs is to make some kind of sense of our past and to know and have a, a confidence that we have a sense of purpose and destiny and that there is hope in this world, right? And that we, we will all have this need to feel some sense of self-worth. I'm important, I have something to do, and I see why, how I got to this place, <laughs> you know, so now I can not make those mistakes again. So if we were told, for example, that hey, 
All the sins that you've ever committed have been paid for. And then if you will make Jesus your Lord, all your sins can be forgiven. If you were told that you could have God's Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, you could have power in your life. If you were told that you were created eternal, you didn't come from a monkey. You don't smell like pond scum. You were created as an eternal being, and even now, God is preparing a place for when we get there, right? What if you were told that you don't have to just walk by the things that you see, you don't walk by sight, but you walk by faith? That you trust in something bigger than the here and now? That what we see now, that, and the, the short life that we live here on the earth is all temporary, That we can walk by faith and not by sight. And, and that we can know that we are ambassadors for Christ. Now if that's not a sense of purpose, that you're working for the King of Kings. That your name is, I mean, you're, you're working for Christ. You're His child. And that the work that you do here on the earth We'll have rewards when you get to heaven. Now see, I'm saying these things and you're like, we know all these things. We're Christians. We already know all that. <clears throat> well, this should make sense of your past. This should give you hope for the future. And to know that you have a purpose and a destiny. And this should help you understand how much you're worth. And even, it's been my experience, even long-time Christians, people who've been serving the Lord, for, begin to forget these things and have to be reminded. They lose sight and they begin to complicate life again. And God keeps bringing us back to the just bare-bones truth. Shouldn't having God as your Father and all the sense of purpose and knowing you're forgiven and knowing that you are an eternal creation and you're going to be in heaven forever and that the things that you're doing now makes eternal has the eternal significance and that you will be rewarded for the good or bad that you've done in your body here on this earth. Did you know that even Christians will be judged in heaven? Not whether they go to heaven or hell, but whether... the for the works that they do in their body, whether they be good or evil. You'll be given rewards for the good things that you do. I don't know if you'll get a whooping or what for the bad things. It doesn't say, but I don't want to find out. But shouldn't this change everything? Shouldn't the, this basic knowledge change everything about our lives? Didn't it change everything when you found these things out? Isn't that why you came to Christ? Well, what if I could prove these things, you know? What if I could show you how to show somebody else these things in the Bible? You don't want to just take somebody's word. Some people, a lot, a lot of people don't believe a thing a Christian says. But, you know, the, the Bible still even carries weight in this world. What if we could show somebody the things that the Lord, that, that prove out these things? Well, that wouldn't be very simple, would it? Because you got scriptures here and you got 
New Testament, Old Testament, you got all the letters, and, and the, surely it would take months to thumb through this Bible and to begin to point out all these wonderful truths of God, wouldn't it? We'd be here till 9.30 or so tonight trying to figure it out. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> when, as in my journey as a Christian, you know, I've, I've had several favorite chapters in the Bible. I remember the first time I saw John chapter 14, talking about the Holy Spirit, and Jesus said He's the way, the truth, and the life, and all those things. I was like, that's the most awesome chapter in the world. And I almost memorized it. I loved it, you know. And then I found Romans 8. You know, that became a big uh, chapter of the Bible for me. And a lot of times I point people to Ephesians chapter 1 to find out what God has done for us and who we are in Christ, you know. And uh, then the armor in Ephesians 6. And there's just so many chapters. In the Old Testament, Psalms 23 gives us so much peace. And, and Psalms 91. And so many things. There's so many favorite chapters in the Bible, but my newest favorite is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Have you turned there? I like it so much that I'm going to read the whole thing to you. 21 verses. Are you ready? Now, now you, like I said uh, Sunday, you better bolt your wigs down and tighten up your teeth because this will blow your hair off. <laughs> this is, I mean, I, I was just kidding about having to be here all night thumbing through the Bible. Everything that I had told you about what's been promised to us, those simple things, is found here in this one chapter of the Bible. You don't, God made it easy for us. You don't have to look all over the Bible to find that, that you have purpose. That God loves you. Your sins are forgiven. That you're an ambassador for Christ. Watch this. Verse 1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, not, see, that's indicating that this, this body is like a tent. You may say, well, yours looks like a circus tent. <laughs> no, Big top or something, I don't know. But, but, but that indicates that we're not setting up a permanent structure here. This earth is not our permanent home, so to speak. Not, at least not in the state that it's in now. That is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body, made for us by God Himself and not with human hands. That sounds like a, a little bit better version than the one we got now. This one is breaking down. This one, it says, another scripture says, though my outward man perishes, my inner man is renewed day by day. See, this old creaky body is getting older day by day, and it feels like it's breaking down. But our spirit, which is eternal, it is renewed day by day. It is getting stronger as we press into the things of God. And one day, 
when it's time to go, when Jesus says, come up hither, or we die and go to be with him, we're going to get a new, not a new tent, a new immortal body. These mortal bodies are going to be exchanged for an immortal body. This corruptible flesh will put on incorruption. And we will have the body like Jesus had after he was resurrected, where he could walk through walls and, and stuff. It was just awesome. Can be ascended up into heaven, you know. Transport himself from here to there, you know. And no, that's why it says no more pain and suffering because we're not going to have bodies that respond, that have to respond to pain and suffering. We'll have new bodies. Not made with human hands. Not made out of the dust of the earth. Not an earthy man, but a heavenly man. A spiritual body, but nonetheless a physical body. We grow weary in our present bodies, so amen. And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. We won't be up there like you see on TV playing a harp on a cloud. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh and don more than most. <laughs> but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies be, will be swallowed up by life. See, death is going to be the last thing that Jesus puts under his feet. And death is going to be swallowed up of life. Death will be a thing that we won't even remember anymore after a couple billion years in heaven. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Even if you haven't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, even when you got saved, you were given God's Spirit. It's our job to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's our job to get baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire so that we can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. There's more of the Holy Spirit than any of us in this room have. It says Jesus was given the Spirit without measure. There's more. I don't think any of us are walking around with the Spirit without measure. I haven't seen any of us raise the dead lately. But it's available. He said, the works I do, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. So the Holy Spirit has been made available to us. But I think a lot of the church is scared of the Holy Spirit. And that's so sad. But I digress. So we're always confident, even, we, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home in the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. What does it say in the King James? For we walk by faith and not by sight. See, because we believe in eternity, because we believe in a God that we can't see, some people think something wrong with us. But no, we, get, we are eternally minded people. We see the big picture. It's a fool that says in his heart that there is no God. It's a fool that says in his heart that we came from pond scum. We walk by faith, but not a faith that's not built on sound 
reasoning. I mean, anybody can look up at the stars and know that there is a creator. It takes a lot more faith to believe that we evolved from monkeys than it does to believe that we were put here by God. I don't care how many more hundred million years they add to their theories to make it more plausible. That's hard stuff to believe. And I've told you all this before. It's actually true. I, when I used to teach in the children's church, I told them, I said, when you, when you guys get to end the school, they're going to try to tell you that you came from monkeys. And they just laughed me to scorn. They said, no, they're not. <laughs> no, that's, you're crazy, Mr. Guy. They're not going to tell us that. I said, yes, they are. And those little kids could not believe that the adults would be so crazy as to tell them we came from monkeys. Even the kids laugh at that idea. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just preaching tonight. This world is getting hard to live in. It's getting to where you got to argue whether you're a man or a woman. It's getting to where we got to argue about everything. It's like, can't we just presuppose that some of this is common sense? I got off track there, boy. So, <laughs> where was I at before I interrupted myself? So, we're always confident. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies that we're not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we would be at home with the Lord. That's what Apostle Paul said. He said, I'm in a straight betwixt the two. That's King James language. I'm between a rock and a hard place because I wish I could go on and be with Jesus because that would be far better. But he said... It's better for you that I stay because I'm, I'm trying to help people down here. And that's where we really are. I mean, if we had the choice, most of us say, hey, just take me on up, Jesus. Let me get out of this mess. But we have to have the heart that Jesus says that he's long-suffering and patient and not willing that any should perish. And he's willing to do all he can. He can't just leave. He just wouldn't. He wouldn't leave all these people down here without anybody to herald the good news. And I'll prove that. Where was we at? So wh whether we are here in this body or away from our body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. See, that puts some gravity to your situation. You think, well, uh, you know, that's not the way they, they taught me. They told me I was saved by grace and, and you know, I don't have to ask for forgiveness no more. All my sins was covered and, and all this. Should we go on sinning that grace should abound? Apostle Paul said, God forbid. Come on, stop acting ignorant. No, because you were saved by grace, 
You should want with all your heart, it says right here, to please him. We should be fighting for those crowns to lay at his feet. We should be thinking about the judgment that is coming so that we can look him in the eye if it's possible. So that we can be excited about his coming and not dreading, oh Lord, I hope he don't come back while I'm watching this show. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this body because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We work hard to persuade others. See, that's our job. To persuade others of this simple truth. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we committing ourselves to you again? No. We're giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. And that's what we have. A lot of churches that want a spectacular ministry and have a bunch of thousands of people in the crowd, but they're not making any disciples. But no. That's why I like this Next Level Wednesday Bunch, because you're here to be discipled. This is going the extra mile. This is you come and learn so that you can go and teach. This is discipleship right here. This is what is sincere about the ministry. If it seems we are crazy, <laughs> yeah, we are. If it seems like we're crazy, it's because we are crazy for Jesus. It's to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. We're not controlled by our flesh like this world is. Christ's love compels us. They thought Jesus was crazy. They're going to think we're crazy. Because we're loving with a crazy love that they don't even have. And they can't imagine why somebody would forgive somebody. Why somebody would give somebody something that they're not getting anything in return for. And all the ways of Jesus seem crazy to this world. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive the new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. See, we died to our old self and we were resurrected in the newness of life. And now we're to live for Christ. He lived and died for us. And we die and live for Him. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely as from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. See, at one time, they, just, they walked with Jesus and ate with Jesus and they saw Him as a human. But after He was resurrected, oh, they saw Him a little bit different. Now, those same people that ran out on Him when the Roman soldiers came, now they're willing to give their life because they know that He is the Messiah. That He is the, the one true God. Now they're willing to give their life and how differently we know Him now. And now that we've been resurrected with Him and we can feel it in our hearts and His love is shed abroad in our hearts and the Holy Spirit's in us as a guarantee and all these gifts and, and this new attitude that we have. 
Man, we can't see him the same. We, we can't see Jesus as merely human. We can't even see ourselves as merely human. In one place, the Apostle Paul says, I can't even teach you the things I want to teach you because you're acting like mere humans. No! We're humans, but we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. That makes us more than mere humans. <clears throat> so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ. Okay, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And everybody that put behind that old life and had an old life like mine says amen. I'm glad that old life is gone. I don't recognize that old person anymore. He comes up every now and then and I try to kick him back down into that casket. Don't you get out of the grave. You get back down. <laughs> and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Reconciling is kind of a big word. It, make, it means making people right together again. It's like back when you had your divorce, you had irreconcilable differences. You know? <laughs> that means you couldn't come together. But now, this, we've been reconciled. To God. We've been made right with God. And our job, our task is reconciling people to Him so that they can find what we have. And this is a scripture I read, if you remember, Saturday at the outreach. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. What? I thought God was all about watching, seeing if you're going to sin so he can get you. See, that's the way the world thinks about God. I got my eye on you. I'm just waiting. Then I'm going to take something from you. I'm going to punish you. I'm going to put something on you. Get you for that sin. No, let me tell you something. Sin comes with his own punishment. It's built in. It's called the wages of sin is death. God don't have to do anything. You're doing it to yourself. Sin comes with his own punishment. God is trying to get you out of sin. Jesus paid the penalty for sin. He said it is finished, and he's not holding your sins against you. Your sins are against you, not Jesus. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. We have a job description. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now, if you were there Saturday, you know, I told those folks, I said, my, my papa used to have this really nice grass in his backyard, imported something or another, centipede or something. And it was all green and everything. Me and my brother, we cut out a big old patch. We, cut, we was going to make a golf green. And we got his lawnmower and, and lowered the wheels all the way and skimped that grass in a big old circle, thinking that would make it low enough to putt on. It didn't work. But anyway, I told y'all the story. He was in there sleeping. He didn't know what we'd done to his grass. But we had this one golf ball and a putter, and we was teeing it up 
out there by the barn, and we was hitting it back towards the house, trying to hit it on the green. And one of us hit it. I don't remember which one, me and my brother. But it bounced off that hard green we had made and went through his window. And we heard this noise that sounded like a bear coming out of hibernation. Now, my grandfather was a big man. When, when he would take his belt off to whoop us, it would take like 20 minutes for him to pull it out of all the loops. <laughs> and he had this hot Italian temper, and his big bushy eyebrows would go funny on you and stuff. And he was very scary. And he didn't play. Papa didn't play that. And so we didn't wait to hear what he had to say about a golf ball through his window. We ran to the bow. And we stayed there all afternoon hiding out until my mama finally came and picked us up that afternoon. We went and jumped in the car and said, go, mama, drive. (laughs) And so I told the people, I said, that's what most of the world thinks about God. They think he's holding their sins against them and they're hiding from God. They think he's mean and that he's going to wait and get that belt on them. And so they run off to the bow and live. And it's our job to say, hey, wait a minute. God is not like your papa. God is merciful. And he is forgiven. In fact, he's so forgiven that he sent his only son to die on the cross, on your cross, to pay your sin debt so that you wouldn't even have to face punishment for your sins if you would just ask for forgiveness and repent. And so I was trying to tell them. And and why was I doing it? Because it says here I'm his ambassador. An ambassador is someone sent from another nation to represent the nation they came from. And we are not from America we, we live here, but we're from the kingdom of God. We were translated out of the kingdom of darkness, praise the Lord, into the kingdom of His dear Son. And now we're from heaven, but we're staying here as ambassadors until our king comes back to get us. But an ambassador speaks on behalf of the kingdom of heaven. And the message is this, God's not mad at you. God loves you. God has forgiven you if you'll receive your forgiveness. He's a good God. It's a good news. It's the gospel. And that's our job while we wait for Him to come back. We speak for Christ when we plead Come back to God. You over there behind the tree at the bow. Come back to God. He's not like Papa. For God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It was our cross that He hung from. It was our sins 
that he suffered the wrath of God for. And he did so willingly so that he could prove that God loves you and God is not willing to spend eternity without you. So, if we were ever able to put all these scriptures together, just somehow, you know, I know the Bible is so complicated. I know God's ways are so hard to figure out. Man, if we just knew where all those scriptures were that tell us things like we're eternal and that we have, we'll be given a new body and that we have a home in heaven and Jesus paid our sins and He's for us and not against us and He traded His righteousness for our unrighteousness and then He gave us His Holy Spirit as our guarantee and our job is simply to believe and to walk by faith and, and not by the things that we see and that we have a new life and our old life has passed away and behold all things have become new and this gift is too good not to share. We have to, as Christ ambassadors, our love for Jesus compels us to tell and that our life counts and people need to know, even Christians need to know that we, we have no time to waste because we will be judged according to the good or evil that we have done in our bodies. Wouldn't all this, if we could... Man, if we could just find it in the Bible somewhere, this would change the course of our lives. If y'all find it, y'all let me know. The truth doesn't have to be complicated. The truth doesn't have to spin around itself 20 times trying to remember what it told you last time. It doesn't have to lie to cover up the, the last untruth it told. The truth is simply the truth. And the truth of God is eternal. It doesn't change. God is not a man that he should lie. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the word of God will always remain. It's right here. And in one chapter, we have just read enough to radically change the entire world for Jesus Christ. Some people say, well, I don't want to read a whole chapter. <laughs> well, just read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. There it is. He loves us. He gave His Son for us. That we might have eternal life. Alright, so we've been in 2 Corinthians 5. If we back up to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, the Apostle Paul said to the church in Corinth, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. And some of us saying, I wish I couldn't look at them, Pastor, but they're all around me. I'm hemmed in on every side. But no, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things which cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. See, that's the difference in a Christian and the world. They look at their problems and they say, oh, woe is me. And they lose hope and they get discouraged. And they talk the problem and they talk themselves 
out of any hope. But we are eternally minded and we look to Jesus. We keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Though we can't see him, we know him and we feel him like the wind blowing. We can't see the wind blowing, but we can see the effects of the wind blowing. And we, we can feel the effects of Jesus Christ in our heart, and we know he's real. So we keep our eyes on the unseen things. Because they are eternal in the heavens, and they will last far beyond these temporary afflictions that we face now. The troubles that we face now, they're light afflictions, and they work for us, but they work for us a far greater weight of glory because we're going to overcome them. How did a wretch like me become a, 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 a pastor? How did a wretch like me become an ambassador for the kingdom of God? One, I asked some questions. Two, I believed God's answers. And three, I just began to walk it out by faith. I asked, I sought, I believed, and therefore I am. What step are you at? Because I believe we got a lot of Christians here in America and around the world probably that may be still asking questions and doubting the Word of God. Some may believe, but they're not walking it out. They're sitting on what they believe. And that doesn't make a good ambassador. God has made your research easy. He's made the text plain. It's easy to understand. God's ways are simple and they are true and even a child can understand them. And I guess that's why Jesus said, come unto me like little children. Because you adults get so ignorant. You adults get so complicated. You adults want to overthink everything because you really have your own hidden agenda and you want to believe something that's not true. And so you spin and you toss and you tumble my word so it makes no sense. And then you can claim that ignorance on the situation. You don't want to know the truth. But Jesus said, just come to me like a little child. In fact, if, if you don't become like a little child, you'll not even enter into the kingdom of heaven. Will you accept the Word of God for what it is? Or will you ignore it? I know the answer for you guys. So we've been in 2 Corinthians 5, we've backed up to 2 Corinthians 4, and now we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 6 and close. 
You know that the Word of God was not written in chapter or verse originally. It was just written in a letter form. So later the, the translators put it in chapters and, and verses. So if you went on to chapter 6, verse 1, is still a continuation of the letter in chapter 5, right? So, it, you know, end of chapter 5 it says, so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. And then it starts in verse six, or chapter 6, it says, as God's partners... We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. I want to be God's partner. That has a good ring to it. I want to be God's partner. We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. See, at just the right time in your life, He heard you. And it was your day of salvation. But indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation for someone else. Today is the day. It's always the day of salvation. How many times have I talked to somebody and pleaded with them and, said, and tried to say, you need Jesus? Well, I don't know. I, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Today is the day of salvation. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart today, today is the day. Because you don't know if He'll draw you again. You can't come to the Father unless you be drawn by His Spirit. Today is the day. And we have to live our lives like today is the day. I mean, I know you're saved, right? You've already had your day of salvation. But we need to live our life with an urgency with a partnership with God, like it's the day of salvation for someone else. Amen. Today is the day of salvation. God doesn't want us to be confused. He doesn't want His Word to be complicated. He put it all right there in one chapter for us. He's, and it's, it's all over the Bible. God's desire that all should come to repentance and be saved. Give their life to Him. Be translated into His kingdom. Adopted into His family. And feel a sense of partnership, ownership of the kingdom of heaven. Take that title of ambassador and go make today the day of salvation. Don't wait. Be doers of the Word. I know you've heard all this before. We've all heard this before. But we put it off. We wait. Well, one day when I get enough Scripture, then I'll talk to that person at my job. Or, or one day, I'll be brave enough to say something to the person in line at Walmart. Or one day, I'll do this or I'll do that. No, today is the day of salvation. I know you're saved. 
But that's not good enough. God's not willing that any should perish. God says, leave the 99 and go find the one. He's looking eyes to and fro all across this land. He's saying, who will go for me? Who will go for me? He's calling your heart right now. Isn't it time to make the decision that I will be a doer of the Word? I know you've believed it. But now it's time to live it. Time is drawing close to His return. The fullness of the Gentiles is almost in. He's coming back. And I want Him to come back to a church here at the Passion that's without spot and wrinkle. A church that's a disciple-making church. A church that's going into all the world and making disciples. Takes the Word of God seriously. Doesn't twist, doesn't twist it. Doesn't teach it without sincerity. Just like a little child, receive the gift and then give it out. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.